where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi friends and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. How are you doing? I am so, so grateful that you're here and that you're tuning in and gratitude definitely feels like my theme of the week. And one of the reasons I'm really grateful is that we have reached 20 reviews on iTunes. We've been stuck at 18 reviews for quite a while and we've now reached 20 and we're set at five stars, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, So I just, yeah, wanted to say thank you to everyone who is tuning in to you listening to this to everyone that rated and reviewed the show uh, it really does mean so much to me so that's what I'm grateful for today and I'd encourage you to take a moment to think about what you are grateful for in your life at the moment what are you thankful for and it's something that time and again comes up on the podcast when we ask our guests for their top tips of things that really help them so often gratitude comes up and it's something that I've talked about. It's something I sometimes have a (laughs) daily practice of gratitude that I can easily fall out of the habit of doing. But it's definitely something I've been thinking about. So I encourage you to think about it for yourself. And actually, this is a good time to mention that we have a new freebie, a new giveaway. uh, If you sign up to our monthly newsletter on our website, you can download a copy of a free gratitude journal, which has five days of space for reflecting on things that you're grateful for and little gratitude challenges to take it further and also some other ideas about how to practice gratitude in your life and a little bit on why, the kind of what, why and how of gratitude. So if you head over to our website, www.psyche.co.uk and then you can sign up to the newsletter, We promise that we only email at the moment really once a month, but we promise no more than once a week because we're all about helping you let go of some of the overwhelm and feeling more joy in your life. And I think sometimes you can sign up to things and get bombarded with emails, which can be too much. So we absolutely want to help take away the overwhelm and not add to it. So you'll hear from us to be honest, at the moment, (laughs) just once a month, the final Friday of the month, we send our kind of monthly wellbeing roundup email. So head on over if you want to get a copy of a gratitude journal from us and to, to sign up and kind of stay up to date with everything that's going on. So today we are joined by the lovely Amanda and we had a a really great conversation and I will just give a quick content warning on some of the things that we discussed because Amanda really graciously shared her story with us and we do touch on suicidal feelings, self-harm and sexual assault. So for yourself just checking in to see where you are in yourself and if this is a conversation you feel able to to handle. It doesn't, I mean I'm, I'm not I can't really judge on how <laughs> in depth it is and the impact it will have individually, but we we kind of mention them. Um, so yeah, so just really for yourself, kind of thinking about whether you're uh, you're able to to hear that conversation. But it was a fantastic conversation, and also a lot of uh, geeking out and appreciation of Lincoln Park, uh, who are one of my faves. So <laughs> um, there's a few references to that, and I guess the the power of music or the the impact that people can have on our lives, even if they're people that aren't known to us. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say for now. So let's dive into that conversation and I will chat to you again afterwards. 
Hi everyone and welcome back and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Amanda to the podcast so welcome and can you tell us a little bit about you? Hi thank you so much for having me. I, I'm Amanda. I'm a certified mind-body wellness coach, yoga instructor, holistic nutritionist, fitness model. I guess I'm kind of a Jane of all trades. Uh, I just launched my own program Happiness Boost which it's just meant to help people get out of that complacency that so many of us are sold. Some people struggle with anxiety and depression like I did. Some people are just overwhelmed, especially right now with this whole pandemic going on. And I just want to help people get out of that rut because I know what it's like for anyone that knows my story. In 2018, two years ago, I was on the ledge of a Canadian hotel room ready to jump and in my life. And it was a song that brought me down, but I realized that I had to take control. I had to start making better choices. I had to take my power back. And that's what I'm helping other people do now is realize that we have more power than we realize. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's one of the things about the podcast is having people come in and share their stories so that for anyone else who is, is feeling that is feeling that that stuck or that, that they just can't, keep going the way things are I think that's really powerful to hear someone who's kind of been there and then kind of got through it and is sharing that journey so that that is possible to sort of like you said take your power back um and before we dive into how how to do that so you said you're a certified mind body wellness coach what what does that mean it's really just reminding people that there is a very physical connection between the mind and body when we hear that we think oh these yogis like chanting ohms in an ashram somewhere, we don't realize that there is a scientific connection between the mind and body. And if we're not cognizant of that, then it's very easy for us to start developing more symptoms of anxiety and depression for us to lose our ability to handle stress in a healthy way because we're not feeding our bodies, thus we're not feeding our minds appropriately. Um, there's a lot of nutrient deficiencies that can exacerbate symptoms of depression, anxiety. So I just help people on a a full spectrum way and not just say, well, you need to go eat a salad or, well, you need to see a psychiatrist. It's really looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Because there's a weird thing, isn't there, where we split physical and mental health. Really. (laughs) Really. Health is health. (laughs) Health is health. Yeah. And it's, and I think it's something with mental health, particularly there's such misconceptions around it because straight away it's not mental health, it's mental illness is what people tend to think of when they hear that term. But yeah, absolutely, it's, it's um, completely linked. So I'd love to hear a bit more of your story if you're comfortable sharing of how you got from that ledge to where you are now. Yeah, of course. Uh, getting there was a process. I think it was really, well, getting to the ledge was a, Uh, like an accumulated series of events. There's not one thing that drove me to that point. It was a lifetime of pain that I'd never dealt with. I'd I'd been uh, depressed. I was, I was diagnosed with depression uh, in, in God, before I even became a teenager, I was diagnosed with several mental uh, illnesses, I guess you could call it. Was that the appropriate term we were using mental illness? Uh, in my teen years, my first one was bipolar, then it was manic depression, and then they just kept changing over the years, which was just more confusing, especially, you know, when you're young like that. But 
I did have quite a few traumatic events happen. I, I was sexually assaulted when I was 16. I lost both my parents. I was very ostracized by my peers, bullied. I was in a really emotionally abusive relationship after my mom died. So it was just, I kind of almost just had the odds stacked against me. And there were situations that, that just compounded during that time in my life where I, I, I like that you said, we don't want to keep living like that because that's what people who are feeling suicidal are really feeling. It's not that they don't want to keep living. They don't want to keep living like that. They don't want to keep living in that pain. And that's where I got, I was in the mindset that I had tried everything. I'd done everything. I couldn't make the pain stop. And it was too intense. And I stood at that ledge just completely ready to end it all. And part of it was the pain. And part of it was because in that moment, all I could think was, this is what's better for everyone. This is what's better for my son, who's now nine. So he was uh, seven at the time. Just thinking, this is better for my son. This is better for my friends. This is better for everyone in my life. They don't deserve to deal with, with me and my, my burdens anymore. So contrary to popular belief, suicide is not a selfish decision. But one of the last thoughts I had before I was about to jump was, this is what's best for my son. I'm doing this for him. And it took a song playing at the right place and time to bring me down. And I really just fell apart. I fell apart on that hotel room floor. And that was my first step really was I cried. Of course I cried more times than I could count over and over and over, but I never really just broke open so rawly to just start getting it all out, to just start grieving. I don't think I ever really gave myself the opportunity to fully process losing mm -hmm. my parents or for me, I, I took the death of, of Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln Park. I took that extremely difficultly. Um, that's, that had triggered me to start self-harming again and to start uh, using drugs again to cope with that. Because I tried to go to a mental health professional who told me that I didn't deserve to grieve him because I never knew him, which was a wildly inappropriate thing to say to someone who is struggling mentally. But that kind of ostracized me more because now it's like, okay, I'm... I came to you for help. I trusted you to help me, not to tell me that I shouldn't be feeling that way. That's probably one of the worst things you could ever tell somebody who's, who's having a mental health crisis or struggling with some kind of mental uh, issue. And ironically, it was a Linkin Park song that was playing uh, when I was on that ledge. So it was, it was very poetic. And I don't know what made that come on at that place in time in a French speaking province in Canada, no less. I don't know what, inspired those workers to turn it on at that time but um I, i'm really grateful that i was given a second chance to to really start working on myself and i i had come back and had another uh, run-in with a mental health professional that i told look i'm tired of being safe i'm tired of your only priority being for me to not kill myself on your watch like that's what let's be real that's what your priority is your priority is to make sure that i'm not going to kill myself not that i'm having a happy and fulfilling life just that are you taking your medicine are you killing me are you are you not going to kill yourself and i came back i had been on medication in a long time because uh i have been guinea pigged on i don't even know how many <laughs> different uh, labels different doses, different types of medication, and they all had horrid side effects. So that had already been out of question for a while, but I, I went to her and said, look, I just, I want to be happy. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to get up and feel like I have to survive another day. That's no way to live. I'm, I'm going to end up back on that ledge if that's how this continues. And she told me, 
well, that's not really possible with someone that has your, your diagnosis, because I've been diagnosed as having a serious mental illness. I was borderline personality a disorder, BPD, and um, I, was, I, I was told that I had a serious mental illness, meaning that I was not uh, capable of functioning in a, a normal situation. I, I didn't have the capacity to have a functional life. So that really pissed me off. And fortunately, I'm that type that if somebody tells me I can't do something, I will do it twice. So I was really motivated by her words. And I'm, I'm grateful that I had the strength to be motivated because I'm sure that there's a dozen people that could have heard that same thing and would have been. So I'm grateful that I found the motivation to, to do that. But I did tell myself that I was going to give myself a year to give it really everything I could to stack the odds as much in my favor as I could. And if I still felt that same level of pain, I gave myself permission to jump. Because I'm like, I can't live like this forever, but I'm really going to give it everything I can because deep inside I already knew that I wasn't doing everything I could be to serve myself. I told myself I was because I said, well, you know, I went to the therapist, I tried the medications, I'd done the yoga, I'd ate the salad, I'd read the Wayne Dyer. Why isn't this fixing me? Well, number one, I wasn't broken. I just, I just needed some healing. That's all. It wasn't that I was broken. I didn't have anything wrong with me. I just needed to process through and get through some of these situations. So once I really started giving myself what I needed, what my body and my mind needed, it made it much easier to start moving forward through that, um, through that time and through these emotions and that pain. And it did take some time. It wasn't like I took a magic happy pill and everything went away. That's, that's not mm -hmm. a thing. I, I, I actually OD'd on Prozac when I was 19 because I was always told that Prozac was happy pills and I wasn't happy. So I thought that if I took enough happy pills, I'd be happy. Mm -hmm. That's, the, that's the, the thought process of a 19-year-old. But prescriptions don't create happiness. At the very best, they can create control, but they're not going to create happiness. There's no magic pill you can take to be happy. That's something where you have to take control of your life and you have to step back into your power and start saying, okay, what can I do? Even if I have this mental health condition, what can I do to be at the highest end of my happiness spectrum? What can I do to give myself the best fighting chance? Because mm. I think it's so true, like you said, that we can sometimes, we think we've got all those things in place that we're doing all the stuff we should. But I think the key thing that, that we have to do that is so difficult, is the most difficult, is to process, like you said, all that horrible, painful, uncomfortable stuff that we just like keep inside and we don't want to deal with. And it sounds really simple, but it's, the most difficult thing and so you can have and it's not it can be difficult to eat the salad and do the yoga and all those things as well but it feels like more achievable because it's like oh, I can do that and then I won't have to worry about this painful thing because I'll be feeling better because I'm because I'm doing that and and I think with the with the medication as well it's something I've talked about before um for me I've taken antidepressants a few times through my life and and for a long time it was like that was it that was gonna help and didn't help but the uh, most recent time I took them it kind of got me to a level where I could do that recovery that kind of dealing stuff and I needed them to get to that point where I was able to do it but it wasn't until I actually did this sort of dealing with it it's not the right word but that kind of actually feeling the stuff and, and processing it that 
I was able to sort of get somewhere somewhere better and kind of escape from that loop a little bit so I think medication can be a piece to the puzzle. It's not the puzzle. It's not the fix. It's not what's going to make you happier. Medication can, for some people, be a part to that. And my program, I start off my program, uh, it's called the five puzzle pieces of happiness because it's not doing one thing. And that's the crucial mistake I made all these years where I was trying to quote unquote fix myself is I jump all into one thing. Like I'd mm. throw myself into therapy. I'd throw myself into yoga. I'd throw myself into reading self-help books. And then when that didn't quote unquote fix me, I'd drop that and move to the next thing, not realizing that there is a particular balance we have to kind of achieve to be at the highest end of our happiness spectrums. There, There is a certain kind of potion <laughs> in my mm. nerdy game terms. There's a certain potion and we need different ingredients. Like think about it. When you make a recipe, you can't just have one ingredient. I mean, unless you're just eating that vegetable or whatever, that's fine. But when you're trying to make an actual recipe, one ingredient is not going to make a cake or a gluten-free vegan organic brownie or whatever it is you're making or eating. <laughs> it takes different ingredients and the quality of those ingredients matters. But knowing that you're not going to get a cake from one ingredient is really important and that I think was really the most powerful lesson I learned was oh okay my biggest problem was I wasn't doing these things. number one I wasn't doing things consistently number two I didn't do them in tangent with each other and that was my big uh, mistake that's why I believe for so long that you couldn't heal yourself mentally uh, with a natural route with a natural plan because I'd never consistently stuck with anything. I'd never really tried to facilitate a happy, healthy, balanced life and lifestyle. I think the cake's a great analogy because like we all have different like favorite flavor of cakes. And, yeah. and so I think sometimes we can get into this feeling it's a really prescriptive way of doing everything. So like the exercise has to be a particular type of exercise or I have to you know, do this particular thing. And actually we are all individuals and I think it's finding that right, mix the right puzzle for you and so cakes yeah like you might like cakes right <laughs> but you know your what's, what's your favorite type of cake i love vegan chocolate cake with little nuts in it i like okay. I, I prefer brownies to cake because i think I, I just love um, the consistency there's this restaurant near me that has this amazing 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 gluten-free cake that I'll have like on my birthday, but it has coconut ice cream, like vegan coconut ice cream and little nuts in it. And it's so mm. freaking delicious. Yeah. And I, I definitely, I think that was something that I had underestimated. I, I absolutely have to watch my sugar intake. And that's something that I think most people, especially that are struggling with anxiety, depression, uh, mental health uh, conditions really should be cognizant of because I know I noticed almost right away when I started uh, reducing my sugar or at least eating the right types of sugar mm. that my anxiety started to lessen the more I would eat uh, sugar processed sugars and stuff the more anxious I would get the harder it would be for me to focus and I actually made the horrid mistake a couple weeks ago I took my son out to breakfast and I was like, oh, they have these gluten-free vegan uh, waffles, like chocolate waffles. And I, I don't eat, I, I actually eat pretty much the same thing for breakfast in the morning. And I don't eat a lot of uh, processed sugar, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to do this. So I had these, these uh, hippie ass chocolates and uh, waffles. 
And not only did I feel like crap all day because I was just sluggish and I like my brain felt foggy, I felt very tired. But even though I ate this at like 8.30 or 9 in the morning, by four or five in the evening, I started having panic attacks from it. And in my previous life, as I like to say, I would have never made that correlation. And like, why the hell am I having panic attacks? Because I didn't think that something I'd eaten hours and hours before could affect me. But just knowing now Mm -hmm. uh, my triggers and knowing how things develop, that's very, very much what it was. I was, I was having a panic attack from the sugar and that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Like, let me, let me go back for a second. Like in the whole fitness thing that we were talking about, about how everybody has their own jive. And that's why I don't like the programs that will say, well, here's your routine and you need to do this workout every day. I even can't do that. I can't. I, I need variety. I need something I enjoy. It can't just be, I need to go to the gym for 45 minutes every day. I will get up every morning and go either bike ride or rollerblade or just rub it on my stairs. Like I mix it up and I, I, I love having those different options. But um, one of the modules of happiness boost is called find your fitness, which kind of helps people develop a program that works for them. Like it does talk about how important different aspects are like the balance or the flexibility or the cardio, but it gives them different options for each of these things. Instead of saying, here's the routine you need to do. And here's the exercises you need to do. Nobody wants that. Nobody's going to enjoy that. It's not going to be sustainable. But as far as the food, um, the, the module right before that is called emotional eating the right way, because especially with me, I will turn to food for comfort sometimes or for energy. Like if I'm feeling tired, I can turn to food for energy, but I know better now than to say, okay, I need energy. Let me have a candy bar. I need energy. Let me have coffee or I need energy. It's, I need energy, maybe I should have a smoothie or a salad or something that's really actually going to give me energy. Maybe I need to drink some water, maybe I'm being dehydrated. Um, but it's, it's kind of being more, uh, being more aware, self-aware mm. of your body's needs and stuff, because that's really important, is not depriving yourself, but just making better choices. And that's something that most people kind of throw to the wayside when they go on these crazy fad diets and say, okay, well, I just need to restrict this and this and this and this and this. And it's, I just can't have carbs. I can't have fat or I can't, but maybe let's look at it this way. Let's make sure that you're getting everything that you need because that's, what's forgotten in these fad diets is making sure that you're getting the nutrients that you need. Yes. There are certain things that you should be, you know, minimally intaking, but you also need to pay attention to balancing your nutrients and making sure that you're getting enough of your B vitamins, of your iron, of your uh, manganese, magnesium. There's so many different vitamins and minerals that our bodies need, but everybody kind of tends to focus on protein and carbs. Like that's all anyone talks about. Sometimes mm. fat. It's like protein, carbs, and fat, but there's dozens of other vitamins and minerals that our bodies need to function uh, at, at high capacity especially when we're struggling mentally. Mm. Well, our brain uses up so much, <laughs> so much oh, yeah. energy that if you're depriving it, then yeah, it's difficult to do anything. And I think, yes, that self-awareness is so important, isn't it? And I think it's that recognizing, like you said, that I'm, I'm craving something sweet. So I, I need energy. So being able to sort of step in there and, and make maybe a more nurturing choice for yourself. Um, but also, 
again like you said with the the sugar being able to kind of reflect oh I feel really crummy like what <laughs> what was it and make that link and I had that at the beginning of this week with caffeine I just got um I just got a new coffee machine and it made it way stronger than I normally have and I had a few cups and then I was just like so wired and like you know fluttery and I was like it's the caffeine I need to rein that back in because it's too much and so yeah I think that having that being able to tune into yourself and like you said not denying yourself completely with the fatty stuff so if it's a celebration having a piece of cake but kind of being aware and making that choice and enjoying it rather than I think a lot of us can have it and then beat ourselves up about it and I do think a lot of people start using food to cope. I know I did that where it's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. I need comfort food or, oh, I'm stressed. So I'm going to have a beer or wine. And then that turns into two or three glasses of wine or I'm drinking wine every night. And that started really weighing on me too. And there were so many different things that I had to do to kind of adjust uh, my lifestyle as far as nutrition and fitness and um, cutting things out, figuring out how to sustain that. And those, those are all, um, modules that I take people through in the program. There's the three C's of sustaining happiness because once you get to a certain point where you're like, okay, I've done the work. Now, how do I stick with this? How do I continue to, uh, to incorporate these things in my life? That's super important too. And then there's things that we just need to get rid of. If we really genuinely, truly want to be as happy as we can possibly be. There's certain things that we just have to cut out. I, I called it cut the crap. That's that module. It's called <laughs> cut the crap because it's just, there's, there's too much. We, we all have at least a couple of things in our lives that are not serving us. For most of us, I'm just going to say right now, it's social media, <laughs> especially right now, depression rates are skyrocketing. I'm like, well, gee, I wonder why, because all you guys are doing, all y'all are just sitting there reading your social media and fear mongering all day long about like, oh my God, these children are being kidnapped or like some conspiracy theory about that or some conspiracy theory about the president or the COVID thing is going to kill everyone. And I'm sitting there going, you know what, right now I'm safe in my house. It kind of sucks that I'm stuck here for a while, but I'm safe. My family is safe and I'm going to take the best precautions I can to make sure that we continue to be safe. But I'm not going to sit there and watch everybody go insane on social media. That's where the depression is coming from, is just watching everybody go back crap crazy over social media and come up with all these theories to entertain themselves um, to get through this time. And I think that that's almost, that, that's, that's one of the things that really concerns me is when people start to get bored this is the kind of thing that happens is now it's okay. Well, we kind of have to kick something. And I think people do it subconsciously, but it's like, okay, well we have to kick something up because now we're bored. So let's start talking trash about the president or the presidential electees or politics or this issue or that issue. And I'm sitting here going, you know, if there's something I can do to help by all means, I, I will jump right in. I'm a big humanitarian. I love to, you know, do charity work. I learned French to be able to go serve girls in Haiti for my days for girls work. I, I, I am a very involved person, but I don't believe that sitting behind your keyboard and bitching about politics or complaining about um, like a lot of these different issues is really how we're going to make change. I feel like there's a much more positive way to do it. And I, I think that part of that is what plays into a lot of these, these psychological issues because I know I didn't get off social media I still have social media accounts but 
like with Facebook, I deactivated my feed. There's a there's an extension you can download for your browser that deactivates the feed um, for for Facebook. So all I see when I open Facebook is a positive quote. That way, if I want to go check out one of my friends page and see what they're up to, I can do that. I can still use my chat and everything normally and talk to my friends, but I'm not being bombarded with, oh, here's the crisis of the day and another crisis and look at this. And <laughs> ironically, I, I was listening to Linkin Park the other day. I think I was cleaning and Shadow of the Day, the music video came on. And my roommate walked in and thought I was watching the news because this video is just literally Chester walking through this almost battleground, just like all these riots and everything and things burning and exploding around him. And I had to stop for a second and go, holy shit, like it's, it's pretty accurate. This is what we're living in right now. And I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the change. I want to be one of the voices that, that inspires people but I don't want to be one of the people that's tearing other people down or promoting the fear. I don't think that that helps with, with mental health or with happiness. And I, I, I just, I can't stress enough how much focus and mindfulness plays into mental health. As a matter of fact, I have a free, um, I have a free workbook on my website called how to improve your focus and boost your happiness because I think it's so important for people. That's where I want people to take the first step, even if they have nothing to do with me after that. I think that in of itself makes a huge, 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 huge impact on personal fulfillment and mental health and happiness. I mean, we could go for ages, I'm sure, on social media and the news and, and oh, all gosh, that. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think, well, the British media is also but I think there's something about the U.S. media. <laughs> oh gosh, it's so ridiculous. Like, I don't know much about British. I've watched some French media and it tends to be pretty polarized too. I don't know how you guys, how yours is there. Yeah, well, I think the nature of news is it's quite sensational anyway because they want people yes. to like read it or, or tune in. Um, but I think sometimes, we're not perfect, but sometimes there'll be things covered and there's a comedian who talked about Ebola and they showed... <laughs> The British media, which is like, yeah, we're we're fine, but it's you know of a concern in in some countries, but it's okay. And then the U.S. media was like, oh my God, we're all gonna die, and and it's you know the same thing. And I think it's about about like you said, being conscious of how much you consume, where what you're consuming, where from, and uh, something I've been trying to do is limiting the kind of the mindless scrolling, like first thing, oh, yeah. last thing of the day, because it does have this impact that we're sometimes not aware of um so you've mentioned and we've we've talked about a couple of the puzzle pieces uh, in your program but I wonder if you could do a quick run through of what all of the puzzle pieces are for us yeah absolutely so the first one is the happiness spectrum and just showing people that we all experience happiness differently and we all experience it at different intensities and the overall goal is to to move as high as possible on your own personal happiness spectrum so that when you are doing more mundane tasks, such as doing the dishes or walking the dog or whatever, that you're happier than, than you are uh, complacent or depressed. And I know before my resting emotion was depression. My resting emotion was just desolation and pain and suffering. But now when I'm just doing mundane things, I'm just you know walking the dog or whatever, checking the mail, I feel content. I feel great, grateful. I feel happy. And that is really the first step is, is recognizing what that is. 
so that we can work with our own personal happiness spectrum. The other part is um, emotional eating, like I said, the right way, just learning how to utilize nutrition to serve you so that you are feeding your brain. Um, it, it, I talk a lot about the vagus nerve connection because that's the actual um, like gut-brain connection. There's actually a, a nerve, well, a series of nerves, series of, of pathways that go from the gut to the brain called the vagus nerve. And when we eat crap food and it causes that inflammation, that sends electric impulses to the brain saying something's wrong. And after a while that will create anxiety, depression, symptoms of stress and whatnot. Uh, the other part is finding your fitness. Yes, it is important to incorporate some kind of physical activity into your life. And for some people that is going to the gym all the time and doing circuits and working out like several hours a day, but that's not a functional option for everyone. So walking through people, how they can have, like what's important, what is important to incorporate and how they can incorporate that in an enjoyable way, you know? So it's not just like most of those programs out there. Here's your workouts, friends. Here's what you need to do. It's, hey, here's what we can, uh, you know, incorporate to make this more enjoyable for you. The other one is the three C's of sustaining happiness, which allows people to build a toolbox so that they have the skills that they need to navigate through stress. Because I think that's the biggest misconception I hear a lot is, is if I, for, the, for a while, when I would get stressed out, especially at the beginning of this pandemic, I'd get stressed out or I'd feel anxiety. And then I'd start thinking to myself, oh God, am I regressing right now? Like, am I going back into that dark place? It's like, no, I'm human and I have emotions and I have fears and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're not happy. And it's, it teaches how to navigate through these emotions so that you don't dysregulate. You're not pushing the emotions away, but you're not holding on to them. It teaches you how to navigate through stress and things like that. And then the other part is cutting out the crap, which is just starting to eliminate things in your life, uh, habits, things like that, that aren't serving you. Addictions. I, I, I know I briefly mentioned uh, after Chester passed away, I got into a really bad cocaine addiction. And I'd had this a couple times before. I mean, I, when my mom died, I got into cocaine pretty bad. And I had used here and there uh, recreationally, but after Chester died, I got really bad into um, drugs. And it, it, it talks about different addictions, not just drugs, caffeine, social media, and how to break free of those and how to start moving forward uh, through these things. And sometimes that can be in tangent with other uh, inpatient outpatient programs, but it's really just setting the groundwork for um, moving through these things, whether they're full-blown addictions like that. People don't realize that social media addiction is still a very serious addiction. That's a very serious problem uh, for mental health, for really even physical health. Because if you're looking, I know people can't see it, but if you're looking down at your phone, that's causing problems in the spine, which actually can still cause other health concerns, even mental health concerns after a while, just the, the blue light in your face all the time, that's, that's gonna affect your sleep, it's gonna throw off your circadian rhythm, so you're not going to, to have proper sleep cycles. So yeah, the, the last uh, one is just learning to recognize what to cut out and how to do it. Brilliant, and, and we'll tell people at the end where they can find find you and find your course if they're interested in it, diving into it in more detail. But I'd love to ask you uh, the set questions I ask everyone that comes on and, and hear your thoughts on these. 
so the first one is what brings you joy in your life? Oh, there's so many things now. <laughs> For me now, getting up in the morning and just checking in. I have a gratitude app on my phone and every morning I just get it up and I check in with that gratitude app. One of my new habits is I don't check any of my social media, any email or anything till eight o'clock. I get up at six and I don't check up any of my stuff till eight o'clock. So that gives me the opportunity to have a joyful, positive, happy morning. And I'll go either do my rollerblading, do my bike riding, have a cup of tea, spend some time with my son. If he is with me that week, uh, I split custody with his dad. And really getting to spend time with him has been, I'm not going to lie, it's been challenging sometimes uh, mm -hmm. considering this whole confinement thing that he's at home all the time. But spending time with him is really, really is a joyful experience when we can go geocaching or do yoga together. Um, as far as, as just random hobbies that I have, I really love to read. Reading like, brings me a lot of joy. Language learning brings me a lot of joy being able to explore, you know, different worlds, different cultures. I always feel so, I feel so much happier, you know, just to get out of my own mind for a minute and, and check in with something else or learn something new, expand my brain. That's what, that's what the brain was made for. It was made to learn. And when we learn new things that actually does create new uh, synapses and stuff. So that, that definitely boosts my happiness a little. Lucifer, I am waiting. Right now it's the 13th. I'm waiting till the 21st for the season five to drop. That brings me joy. Tom Ellis <laughs> brings me joy. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there, there's really, there's really a lot. I could just go on and on about all the things that I, that bring me joy now in my life, which is interesting because if you would have asked me that two years, like two years ago, I would have been like, um, wine, <laughs> maybe, <Yeah>. maybe drugs, <laughs> probably nothing good. Um, Music, music is really huge for me. And it's not just that it always brings me joy. It's that sometimes it allows me to process through the feelings so I can get to the joy, uh, especially Linkin Park, obviously. Yeah, I think that Linkin Park is amazing for how they tap into those sort of feelings and emotions. There's something really special, I think, about their music and uh, the kind of... Um, emotions and experiences that it speaks to. Yeah, it's crazy because when I first got my hybrid theory album, I was 16, my mom gave me this album and I I was very bubblegum pop. I was Britney Spears in sync, like very 90s boy bands and stuff, mm -hmm. pop music. So I wasn't sure what her criteria was for giving me this CD. I guess she probably saw this, this group of guys and I was like, okay, maybe they're a boy band. I don't know. But I, I was really grateful that she gave it to me and I, I am writing a memoir. It's called One More Light um, after mm -hmm. their, their final album that talks about how their music really helped me through so much. And the first real emotional time that I had, like the first emotional thing that really connected me was uh, when I was sexually assaulted when I was 16. This was shortly after I got the CD for the first time and my mom uh, had got it for me. And I just remember thinking, there's no way that this tattooed rock star could possibly understand for real what I'm going through. But there was something in the lyrics that really uh, just, in, just validated me and comforted me and made me feel like I was okay. And I remember going home uh, and just laying in the shower, which I know is the thing that they tell you not to do, but in a, in a, as a 16 year old that was in shock and just felt so, I felt like I just wanted to rip my skin off, like rip my own skin off. 
I went and got in the shower and just turned on my, my Linkin Park album. And I mean, we did later learn, it became well-known knowledge that Chester was sexually assaulted uh, when he was younger, that he dealt with that. And that was one of the things that, that really, um, that really pushed his bad habits and stuff. He had talked about that in the past, but the, the song was um, Points of Authority. And I just remember it saying, you love the way I look at you while taking pleasure in the awful things you put me through. And that just, it connected with me so much because this guy was that cocky type that did this to me and then could just smile and, and pretend that I was supposed to be okay with it, I, I guess. And um, I did feel like my life, my pride was broken. That was, that was part of the song. And that's what I felt like. I felt like my entire fucking life was broken and I had no idea how to cope. And I knew if I told my dad, my dad would hunt this guy down and kill him. <laughs> I, I, my mom ended up finding out later, but I didn't tell her at the time. But it was, I, I just can't express how much having something to comfort me that night meant because I had nothing. I was, in, I had just moved to Arizona from Missouri where I grew up. So I had nobody, I had no friends and I couldn't call my friends a thousand miles away and dump this on them and be like, Hey, I was raped. You're like You can't dump that on your friend a thousand miles away. They can't do anything for you. So I just felt so very alone and, and scared and, and overwhelmed. And yeah, that, that song, I will never forget, you know, it, it getting me through that night. And then crazy enough, this many years later, like 20 years later, um, having one of their songs saved my life. I, I would not be here had that song not turned on. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was already, I had got past that fear of death. And that's something that um, I always struggled with. I think the only reason I hadn't taken my life before that was always, always just afraid of death. But I talked myself through that. The shadow in my head had talked myself through that. I was already at a point of just being done and letting go. And had it not been for that song, I wouldn't be here. Mm. What song was it, if you don't mind me asking? Breaking the Habit, mm -hmm. which is kind of poetic. I mean, at the, at, when I was on the ride home, I'm like, man, I wonder why it wasn't One More Light, because that would be the song that would make sense. Mm -hmm. If I saw somebody suicidal, that would be the song I'd probably sing to them, that or Iridescent. Um, but it made sense the more I stopped to think about it, because I was like, I had a habit to break. I had all of these things. I needed to break free from that and start a new life. Like, I needed to really break free from myself mm. and I I just love I will break away I'll find myself today mm. like of um somewhere I belong with the song somewhere I belong I remember listening to that at the airport like I, I remember that was that was a super powerful thing because you know once I got into the spiral of the music after that um, it was definitely very very much like I just held on to it uh, half mm. the half the ride home and stuff yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that so so openly with us. I but we kind of gone off on a tangent, but um sitting so, <laughs> but I'm so grateful that we did, but it's interesting how things connect because we were talking about joy and then we've gone on this whole journey. Um but, yeah, but I think it all really connects. Like you said, I mm. think all of the emotions really connect. Sometimes we have to feel the pain to get to the joy. And that's something our society doesn't understand. They think we should be happy all the time. And sometimes mm. it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have to fall apart on the floor of a foreign hotel room to get back to that place of happiness. You have to fall apart so that you can start reevaluating your life. That's still part of the joy, you know, and 
I'm grateful that I'm able to feel those emotions so openly. And it's always interesting how people will say, you know, you're so strong or, or thank you for, for being so open and sharing your stories, but that's what we should all be doing. If we all did that, this wouldn't be a problem anymore. We wouldn't be having yeah. these mental health uh, crises in our, in our countries anymore. If we mm. just would open up and say, Hey, I feel like crap today and I need someone to talk to or Hey, I'm really struggling with this and I need help. I need someone to listen. Mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's part of, I guess, why, why we're here in the podcast it is about like you said sharing the stories and kind of normalizing those kind of feelings and the, the conversations uh, so my next question is about what makes life meaningful for you I think my my charity work really I think being able to be someone's chester as I say it the fact that I can be that to someone even on some level um, I, I actually had someone, interesting enough, this was before uh, my incident on the hotel ledge, but I had posted a video for the It Gets Better project quite a few years ago, uh, which is for LGBT teens that are, or youth, at-risk youth that are struggling uh, with, with mental health and stuff. And I posted a video for that project and I get emails or whatever every now and then saying, thank you for your video, it really helps me. But I got a call from this person who was literally, I could tell that they were seconds away from taking their life. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, this person's going to do this on the phone. And I don't know what to do. And I kind of panicked because I know if I said, well, you need to call the suicide hotline, they were going to take their life. They, they called me, they trusted me. And I was not equipped to handle it. <laughs> but the only thing I could think to do was start singing Iridescent by Lincoln Park. That was the only thing I could functionally think to do. And that person ended up... Uh, coming down to a point where they could get the help they needed. I could, I could talk to them and, and tell them, you know, here's, here's what your options are. Here's what you need to do. It's okay. It will get better. I'm here. Like we'll get through this together and really just, just helping them through that. But knowing that I can be for someone else, what Chester was for me is really what drives me. And knowing that I can raise my son to have compassion, to be a light in this world, to be, you know, a beacon of hope for people. That's really, that's, that's really what I feel driven to do. I, I, I did make, you know, this, this course, this program, but it has nothing to do with me making money. I want to help people see a different way. I want to help people, you know, really understand that there is light on the other side of depression. And I want to be a voice in the mental health community. So really just, just being able to serve people, serve my friends, serve my son, um, and really served myself at the end of the day, being able to to now get up in the morning and say, okay, what can I do today? And look at the day as an adventure and not like a, this is crap again type mm. of mentality. Uh, that's when I started feeling like I had purpose, was when I could wake up in the morning and go, okay, what can I do today? Instead of, oh, <laughs> mm. I hate this. I don't want to do this again. That was when I started feeling like I had. A reason to be here. Well, even when I when I came down off the ledge, I realized that that song played for a reason, and I had a reason to be here. Mm. I guess that kind of segues quite nicely into my next question. So we we do talk about kind of the the mental illness and the mental kind of um, challenges on the podcast, but we also talk about mental wellness a lot and how we can all uh, be mentally well. So uh, it's a two part question. So the first is, what does mental wellness mean to you? 
Exactly what I was just saying. You're right. It segues quite nicely because I think when you can get up in the morning and it doesn't matter if it's Monday or Friday, it doesn't matter if you have, you know, a little bit more to do that day or whatever, you can get up and say, what am I going to do to make this day awesome? When I realized that I could start getting up in the morning and having a smile on my face and really looking forward to the day, I think that's when I started realizing that I didn't really fit the criteria of having a, a serious mental illness anymore. And of course I had to take some time to really analyze it. And um, I, I spoke with a multitude of professionals and stuff and finally got decertified by those professionals that told me that it wasn't possible because they, they told me multiple times it wasn't possible. They ended up having to decertify me because I did in fact no longer have the criteria. But I think mental wellness is just finding your reason, finding your purpose to get up and smile in the morning and not dredge your day. So if you're in a relationship that doesn't serve you, if you're in a miserable ass marriage or relationship, or you have a job that you can't stand and you get up in the morning and you just roll your eyes and groan and drag yourself out of bed, I don't think that that's, that's optimal mental health. I don't think that's a happy life. And I don't think that's where any of us should aspire to be regardless of how much financial security it gives us or how much it feeds our ego. I think that waking up in the morning and being able to smile is much more important than having a certain amount in your, in your bank account or, or feeling like you have to be with someone to completely complete you. So I actually know what that feels like. After my mom died, I was super, super, super codependent. And I had a very, very, very unhealthy relationship with, uh, with my partner at the time. And I know what it's like to need someone else. And it's not, that is not healthy. It is not healthy to rely on something else, be it a job or a person or whatever for your mental like wellness. I think that being able to get up in the morning, whether you're by yourself or not, and uh, finding a reason to smile, even if you're in the middle of a global pandemic, is a, is a sign of, of positive, optimal mental health. And then the follow-up is how you look after your own mental well-being. So what you do to sort of maintain that. Um, I think we talked a lot about it. It's keeping mm -hmm. those, those puzzle pieces in check, you know, making sure that I'm taking care of myself physically, like I, I'm maintaining a healthy nutrition regime. I'm, I'm making sure that I'm moving myself, getting my blood flow in, uh, really serving my body. But then am I serving my mind? Like what tapes am I repeating to myself? I think that's really important because I had a lot <laughs> of, of really negative tapes in my head. And some of them were from places, I mean, I know it's cliche to say, oh, this, this awful, terrible, horrible person told me this and it, it sunk into my head. And I did have some of those, like my ex uh, told me I deserve to have panic attacks. So that kind of seeped into my head and I started believing it. But like my mom told me, you look dead without makeup. And my mom was a loving, supportive, wonderful person great woman, like great mom, was never emotionally abusive or anything. And I know she didn't mean it in a malicious way, but I grew up believing that. I grew up believing that I couldn't be beautiful without, you know, taking the time mm -hmm. to put on a lot of makeup. And the thing I, I think one of the, the real things that I had to start doing to maintain my mental health was being aware of that, those tracks, like those tapes in your head, what you're telling yourself and start overwriting them like to start recognizing them, but then um, overwriting them and figuring out, you know, 
is what I'm telling myself true? Is there really truth behind this? And analyzing each one instead of allowing yourself that negative self-talk all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so my next one, sometimes a bit of a challenge, is can you describe your mindset? My mindset? <laughs> yes. I'm trying to think of, of how to really define that. I guess, like summarizing everything we just said, it's, is your life going to be an adventure or are you just going to close the book and give up? My mindset has become that I can write my life just like I can write my book. I I can, to a very big degree, influence, you know, my, the events, the people, not manipulate, mind you, influence like the people I allow into my life, the energy I allow into my life, the things that I do. I, I, I think that my mindset now is more of one of power, like taking control, taking responsibility. And I know this is, this is going to be a super controversial thing to say, so I'm sorry for anybody that doesn't agree. That's, that's completely okay. But when I was in recovery for cocaine, I would not go to a 12-step program because I absolutely refused to believe that I was powerless. Because if I would have accepted that I was powerless, I would have never overcame everything that I did and I would never be in the place I am now. And I know that some people have to do that, that's fine. But for me, that never worked. My mindset is more, my mindset's more, how can I take my power back? How can I gain control and gain footing in these things that I really struggle with? And stepping into your power, taking control, taking responsibility is the best thing that anyone can really do. And I'm really grateful that I found that opportunity for myself, that I found that avenue for myself. And I think that's, that kind of summarizes my mindset now is just, I am powerful. I'm more powerful than I ever would have believed. And I can write my own story. I mean, sure, I have a tragic backstory. Okay, what superhero doesn't? Yeah. yeah they're all do yeah absolutely that's what fuels yeah. most of them that's what fuels yeah. superheroes is their tragic backstories yeah absolutely so my next question is, i know you mentioned um uh, toolbox earlier and that's something that we try and give people on the podcast so i ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three tips of things that we can put in the toolbox that we can try out that are going to have a massive impact in our lives. So do you have a top one to three things you'd recommend people try? We already talked about the tapes, like the the rewriting your tapes. And I do this as a journal thing where uh, I will suggest to my clients just for the, for, for three days, just three days, whenever you hear yourself, like having that negative thought, just jot it down or type it in the notes to your phone or whatever, and just start being mindful of those negative thoughts and then replacing them with a positive thought. And I know it sounds hippie woo woo. And at first I'm like, Oh, this is so stupid. But after a while you will start rewiring your brain. So that was a big one uh, for me. Another one, we talked about fitness, but specifically for me, running, running was huge. And even if you just run like to the end of your driveway and back, just getting that blood flowing. I like to think of it as physically running from my problems. (laughs) When I'm having all these issues and I can't figure out how to sort through them in my head, I start running because it floods my brain with, you know, the the endorphins, the serotonin, the, uh, all this feel good, happy chemicals, the the good happy chemicals, not the, the synthetic ones. So I think finding something that you can do that gets your energy moving be that yoga, be that running, be that 
Um, for me, a lot of the times, I'll start doing jumping jacks. My kid will drive me crazy, and I will go to my office and just start doing jumping jacks until I can calm down enough to respond to the situation. But I think finding a way to move to get that blood flowing is a, is a really big one. And everybody talks about meditation. I'm a certified yoga instructor, and I freaking hate meditation. I hate sitting there cross-legged. I know, I know. That's, like, probably the craziest confession of the century. But, like, sitting there cross-legged, just going, okay, I'm going to try and clear my mind and chant home. Do I do it sometimes? Sure. But it's not something that I want to do all the time. I just don't find it enjoyable. And I get so much flack from other yoga instructors. But finding ways to incorporate mindfulness. Mm. Now, that might mean meditation for you. But I actually just um, wrote an article for Yoga Pose. You can find the article on my website. But I just actually wrote this article on a dishes meditation, like how to turn mundane things into meditations, into mindfulness practices. So finding mindfulness practices that work for you are huge. Because like I said earlier, improving your focus um, is a huge, huge factor to boosting your happiness. And sometimes, I mean, for me, that's just... I'm going to do a video game meditation right now <laughs> and I'll just get lost like in a book or a game. And it's great sometimes to do something positive like that, not an uh, Instagram meditation. This is not a, we're going to mindlessly scroll Instagram for 20 minutes. This is, we're going to put our, our mind to something and focus on it and not have all those distractions. I think that that is a hugely powerful thing. And there's a million different uh, options for that. As a matter of fact, uh, in the in the three C's of of sustaining happiness section of um, of happiness boost, I have a list of a hundred suggestions for your own personal toolbox to help you gain skills and stuff. So that's one of the main things is teaching people how to build a toolbox on their own and and thinking of different things, finding different things to add to it. And really, it's just a matter of of trial and error. Like there's plenty of things that I've tried that I'm like, well, that wasn't for me, <laughs> but I tried it. Now I know there's a lot of things that I tried and I was like, well, I didn't think that would be for me, but it's actually kind of cool. I, for one, never would have thought that language learning would have been uh, something that I utilized for anxiety and stuff. But I know there are times when my anxiety starts to, to increase that I'll go do like a Duolingo lesson or I'll go listen to a French podcast because it forces your brain to switch. It forces your brain to, to focus on something else. So even if it's something that you're enjoying, it focuses, it uh, forces you to focus just to be able to follow along. So um, yeah, finding things that can be mindful. Yeah. It's very interesting because we've got in the UK, um, something that the the health service um, sort of mentions as part of their wellbeing stuff about these five pillars of wellbeing. And one of them is learning that actually it is something that has a massive impact on our well-being and again yeah like the exercise it's finding the thing that works for you Um, so amazing thank you so much amanda and my very last question is where people can find you if they want to connect with you online if they're interested in your program or just kind of finding out more about you are you on any social media sites because obviously we (laughs) we talked about that um yeah where where can people find you 
like I said, I am actually I'm on Instagram at Amanda Webster Health. I just don't spend all my time on there. So if you send me a message and it takes me a few hours or a day to get back to, I'm not ignoring you. It just takes me some time because uh, I'll open it up and it has a bazillion messages because uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time on there. But uh, AmandaWebsterHealth.com is my website. That's where you can get that free workbook, how to improve your focus and boost your happiness. Uh, you can read the, some of the different articles like my, my dishes meditation. Um, and you can also go to my YouTube, youtube.com slash Amanda Webster Health, where I not only post videos that offer different mental health tips, like my most recent one was seven tips for motivating yourself to do the things that you know you need to do, but you just don't freaking feel like it. That was my most recent uh, video, but I also do interviews with celebrities like Billy Bob Thornton on mental health uh, and physical health. We talked a lot about veganism and stuff and different supplements that he takes to deal with his anxiety. Uh, while while on the road while traveling either for movies or for he has a band with his band mm -hmm. so that's been a really exciting project for me being able to have these conversations about mental health with with different people and open that up so youtube instagram and my website are the three easiest ways to get a hold of me and if anyone is you know just struggling through this time feel free to send me an email if you just need to talk if you just need to get it off your chest i will absolutely listen I understand sometimes the need just to find someone who gets it. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for everything that you've shared. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. And I also share a love of Lincoln Park. Um, and I'm going to, I need to go to the shop next and um, I'm going to listen <laughs> to them on the way. They're, they're kind of always in my, in my playlist anyway. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for being so open with us and um, yeah, for sharing your wisdom. Well, I am big on the, on the fuck depression hashtag that, that became big after, after Chester passed away. So we'll end on that. Depression and make Chester proud. Thanks again to Amanda for joining us. I really, really enjoyed our conversation, as I said. Um, and obviously, medication is something that we've touched on before. And obviously, this is Amanda's personal opinion. Personally, for me, medication has been helpful. Other people have had different experiences. And when we've talked about it before, it can be difficult to find that right combination for you because we're all individual. And as you know, we don't have a prescriptive approach on the podcast. It's very much about finding, I guess, the puzzle, as Amanda was saying, that works for you. Uh, so I just wanted to add that. Um, and then the last thing that I want to talk about, I am currently actually on a break from doing some training this weekend as I'm recording this. Uh, I want to get my formal coaching accreditation. Uh, it's something that to me feels really important coming from that industry of teaching and kind of, you know, counselling and that kind of thing. I say coming from counselling, let's say I'm going into rather than coming from, but where accreditation is really important and not all coaches are accredited. It's something that I feel is very important that I would like to get. So in a step towards that, I am doing some additional training in transformational coaching. And so I have a special offer uh, available for coaching sessions as I am working with practice clients towards that accreditation. So with that, I am offering six coaching sessions of up to an hour for £150. So if you are interested in working with a coach, finding out about transformational coaching and all of that, please do drop me an email. Uh, my email is hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H-S, at psyche, P-S-Y-K-H-E.co.uk. And then we can connect and organize an initial consultation discovery call, whatever you want to call it, 
So that's my final offer. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. And if you've enjoyed it, please do rate, review and share the episode. That would mean so much. Another thing for me to be grateful for. But that's everything. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday when we are joined by Angela. So I really hope that you join us then. Take care and speak to you then. Bye.